Hello everyone, you are listening to Skip Intro. I'm Lee Chui Lin in the studio with me today, Ian McNally, Bahe Yusuf and Julian Yap. Um, and we're here to talk about this latest release. Who are you? I'm Molly. Mm-hmm. I'm a new writer. You want to sit down? Okay. That's for metal tits. Could you sit down, please? Oh, I'll just use uh, this trash can. There's, you know, there's hardly any trash in it at all. Oh, it's kind of comfortable, better than a chair. That's our show, everyone. I came to tell you this year is your last. What? They can't replace you if everyone loves you. Do none of you understand what is at stake here? I am being replaced. What exactly is wrong with my bits? You're a little old and a little white. What can I do about that? Watch me do. Watch me. So that is, of course, um, the, I guess, would you say it's a Mindy Kaling penned movie. Um, it is Mindy Kaling penned, Emma Thompson starring. It is Late Night. Um, what did you guys think? What is the story? Set us up. I think it's safe to say it's a Mindy Kaling joint, right? I think in the Spike Lee way. Mm, well, yeah, sure. Uh, the story is about Emma Thompson, who plays a late night host called Catherine Newbury, who, after years and years of having her own late night talk show, is starting to go down in the ratings. So she kind of needs, they become tired and lazy in their show, and she needs something to shake them up. And that shakeup is going to come in the form of Mindy Kaling, who has basically been hired as a diversity hire, despite her best efforts. And chaos kind of ensues when she joins, I guess. Is it chaos? Does it, though? Is it really chaos? Really, though? I mean, that's the pitch, right? Is it, though? <laughs> I mean, I I know you were very excited about this film. I know you were sort of really talking it up. But mm. me and Julian came out of the cinema going, that was not great. We didn't even come out. We were still sat in our seats. Yeah, we were just, true. what happened? Yeah. Maybe this I picked is... it up too much because I got to see it earlier. No, it wasn't no. that. I was excited going to this. I have friends who are in comedy who are South Asian, and they were excited to watch this. Mm. And I was excited. I, Mindy Kaling is all right. I like her stuff. Emma Thompson's fabulous and fantastic always. So what's wrong here? And then John Lithgow turns up. Why is he there? Why is Dennis O'Hare there? Dennis O'Hare keeps freaking me out because I keep thinking he's Bob Odenkirk. Um, and then I think he's everywhere, but he's only yeah. half everywhere. I, I see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I mean, it is predictable, but I've enjoyed that predictability. Like, it's obvious that the new spark is going to spark some new life in Emma Thompson's character. And she gets to be abrasive and she gets to be horrible and she gets to be nasty to a writer's characters. And then she gets to define her humanity and find it again, thanks to this this woman. And, you know. Gets to know her writing team for the first time in, what, 20 years or something? 20, 30 years, is it? Yeah, but I want to watch that movie. Yeah. This movie wasn't any of that. I, think. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, there were bits of it where I, I think at the end of the movie, me and Julian sort of turned to each other and go, we barely laughed. Yeah. I think really? there, was there was a couple of chuckles. Yeah. but oh. We did the mm. exhale laugh a lot. Yeah. yeah. But not actual Just laugh like, out loud. One yeah. person in the cinema chuckled outright, but not really. And then it's a couple of times. And it's a show about comedy and stand up. You'd expect it to be a little bit more funny, at least. There's so many funny people involved in this, though. I mean, and like on the very basis of it, I mean, Mindy Kaling's cool ish, like like Julian said, I think it's a fair description. Um, Emma Thompson is very cool. Um, No? Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I did laugh through it. The fun of going to the a comedy is laughing with an audience when everyone's laughing together. There's, you know, I can remember seeing the something about Mary and it with a US audience at mm. one point. And I, there's nothing like that feeling when everyone's laughed together. It was a kind of a weird feeling in this in that people were laughing and you could 
because it was a half empty audience, you could identify the people laughing right. at which bits. And that was a kind of also enjoyable kind of way to watch it. So there's a point where she's supposed to be trying out her new edgy humor. And that obviously didn't work. That's supposed to be the new humor that works pretty well for her now or that co- mm. connects to audiences. That didn't work. But I thought that the average workaday stuff was pretty good and, you know, some of the monologues they come up with and the interactions between them. There is a big problem in that the table in the writer's room looks like 30 Rock. Yeah. There is that problem. It is yeah. It is a little it's, bit yeah, derivative. It's, it's a little bit, oh, derivative is one, but also just feels a little bit like, oh, this is the caricature of all, you know, late night comedy writer's rooms, right? Yeah. There's one guy who who may be gay and there's one guy who's a little too jock. I mean, there's, there's a Lutz in this. There is a Lutz. I'll give yeah. it that much. There's a guy who looks just like Lutz from 30 Rock and he plays pretty much the mm. exact same so, character. Dennis yeah. O'Hare is playing Scott Adsit's character almost to a T. He's mm. just, he just isn't slightly harried by his children. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, the other thing I, w- I, I was, at the end of this movie, I realized something. I'm not a huge fan of Mindy Killing humor. It doesn't mm. work for me. Oh. And, and I, you know, every... T- I still fall for that. Oh, wow, it's a Mindy Kaling movie. And then I go in and I go, but I don't like Mindy Kaling movies. <laughs> so I have recently come around on this. Yeah. Like, I, I think I finally, I finally feel like I've been given permission to say that. Because for, <laughs> for the longest time. You're for, welcome. Yeah. yeah. By <laughs> you just freeing, yeah. freeing people. It's what I do. Um, no, because I think for the longest time, it was sort of like Mindy Kaling. You kind of have that, to like her. It almost feels yeah. that way because she's so hardworking, because she's worked her way up, because <laughs> she did The Office, because she's worked with all the right people. And, and, and you know, she just seems great. Um, and then I realized when I read her book, um, I don't laugh all that much, mm. nor do I find it all that great. Um, when I, I watched all of um, The Mindy Show mm. and... Um, yeah. yeah, like like I watched it's there. it. It's it there. Is. It's it is. glossy. Yeah. It's pretty. It's fine. Um, and at the end of it, you're just like, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for late night because I like this format of show. I, mm. I like shows about shows. Um, I like Emma Thompson. Um, I like the idea that they're doing something. You know, putting a woman behind the desk. Like like I get all that stuff, but I'm mm. not terribly surprised by mm, this reaction yeah. I think yeah. yeah and ultimately the movie is basically that there's a point when Mindy Kaling's character does say you can't fire me because look at me I'm on the diversity Indian. hire yeah I'm the diversity hire I'm the Indian character I'm a woman you cannot fire me you have to like me but also you know Mindy Kaling's humor it's not for everyone I'm not one of them that's fine there will be people who do enjoy her she's great on The Office but She's also very likable, for me at least. For there's a moment when Emma Thompson's character does say that she finds her earnestness for her annoying. Yeah. and But she does also acknowledge that it makes her excited to go to work because mm. like you know to see her light up like a puppy dog just to, so happy to see her and it's because that chemistry between them and because Mindy Kaling is so earnest like she said like she's so nice to watch on screen and Emma Thompson between them I I can't remember who said it that their romance between them <laughs> the the romance of it is great mm. yeah that's the 
other question I wanted to ask you guys because all of Mindy Kaling's work is a rom-com fundamentally like mm. like she bases everything she does around the structure of the rom-com um, and you know hearing you talk about it Ian earlier I think there's also that like oh realising humanity oh actually a good person after all oh now we get to be friends and like so there is a fundamental structure but usually she tries to kind of live within it while mm. subverting it a little bit or doing interesting things does that happen here or not so much? Well it sounds like the, the, the jokes carried me a little more than you guys mm-hmm. and there is a reveal at one point mm. um, that kind of sets out some relationship stuff it's not rom- it's, it's rom-com kind of stuff but it's not the rom-com stuff you expect and I thought that kept me interested and kept me going and it's like the flip side of Emma Thompson's character from Love Actually I think like yeah. she's kind of where everywhere that, that she was soft this, this character is hard mm. and I just enjoyed watching Emma Thompson do this role. Yeah. I think she was just fantastic oh, in no, it. I agree. And I think I think she was great in this role. It was it was great casting for her to be in that role because it could have you know, it could have easily been a man and it would have been boring. Yeah. I think I think with her in this role who you normally see as a very warm ca- person who who plays very warm characters to do this that's great, but the story just wasn't enough for me. Like that reveal that you talk about, it gets dealt with relatively quickly. It's a, yeah, it's a third and then act it's thing. moved on, yeah. right? And then it was just like, okay. And if you're an older woman thinking of getting your hair cut short, I would highly recommend checking out all her haircuts. Oh in no, this absolutely. Movie. Her at hair is fantastic at in one every point, scene. At one point, I turned over to Julian and I was like, "I want to have my hair." <laughs> and I just said, "That's goals. That's true. Like it's great. Yeah, 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 ridiculous." And also for a movie that's completely about her, I would say there's almost not enough Emma Thompson. No, but that's the thing, right? Is this movie her. about her or, or Mindy Kaling's character? So that's my gripe about it. Mm. That's, I thought it'd be both of them learning and growing through this process of having worked together. One of them is softening, one of them is hardening mm. and toughening up in the world. But it wasn't a two-way street. Mm. It's a, you know, it's a drama for Emma Thompson's character and that's okay. But also, it didn't give me enough Emma Thompson. Yeah. But then also, it didn't give me enough Mindy Kaling because they're so electric, like on screen by themselves, but together, it's so cool. Yeah. And mm. I wish there was more. There is a weird ensemble going on with the writer's room or people you've yeah. never seen in anything before apart from Dennis O'Hare. Mm. It's like, that, that seems to be the stunt casting you would put in there. You would have like cameos or whatever, yeah. and it's mm. just central casting. Hugh mm. Dancy. Mm. Hugh Dancy is in this writer's room. We've been talking about Late Night, um, which is, of course, a movie that is about a late night TV show. So after this, we are turning our attention to movies and TV shows that have been about exactly that, about the process of making television, because for some reason, people just can't seem to get enough. Tell us your favorites. Uh, tell us what you like. Um, also, tell us if you were looking forward to Late Night. WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write us at movies at bfm.com. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, everyone. It is Skip Intro with Lynn, Ian, Julian and Bahe. Uh, We're talking today about Late Night, or rather earlier we were hearing what they thought about Late Night. Um, But, you know, it is kind of a genre in and of itself, this whole idea of shows about TV shows. Uh, So we thought we'd just go through some of the best, some of the worst. Uh, What did you guys want to start with? I think we have to start with 30 Rock because it's the prototype for this movie in a way. I mean, it's not as funny and madcap as 30 Rock late night. But I think, like like I mentioned earlier, the writer's room set looks almost the same. You expect to see Judah Friedlander there Mm. sitting in a hat. There is a guy who looks like, it's like Lutz's cousin. 
has visited from out of town. So how can I help you, Jerry? Jack, I was vacationing with my family in Europe in a country only rich people know about. Sven Borgia? <laughs> no, better. But I can't tell you. Anyway, my mother called to tell me that I'm going to be on Law and & Order and ER. So I called my agent to find out when did I shoot these things. All right, Jerry, what NBC shows do you want to be digitally inserted into? I like Lost. Is that you guys? With 30 Rock, I, I, I love what they do with these TV shows in that you never get to see the show. Mm. I love that when they do that in these TV shows, you hear all these ludicrous things that happens with the show and the ludicrous people they have on them. Yep. But you never actually yeah. see them. And yeah. I think that's a genius part of these, these, this genre. Yeah. For me, I never quite got into 30 Rock um, only because at the same time, there was another show that was on air that was a little more my speed, um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Suzanne, you have to understand, it's not like putting a hammer to a nail. You're writing a comedy show, you can't be depressed while you're doing it. You gotta have energy and you gotta be able to feel joy. And it's not like I can ask everybody to sit and wait while I get over it. Look, I, I make no bones about it. I, I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. And I also, like 30 Rock also has a sort of, you know, is also on my hit list because, mm. because of 30 Rock. Uh, Studio 60 sort of was cancelled because he wasn't getting the kind of audience members he was getting. And I th- and and look for me, Studio 60 is more my speed in the sense that it's it's a slightly more serious take on doing a comedy show. You know, this is like the battle of underrated shows because yeah. Dirty Rock didn't <laughs> exactly have amazing 30, numbers. Really? Yeah, I think not, near the not, end it got a uh, it got towards it, the it, end. Yeah. But at the start, it was like every season mm. they when they did the finale, they weren't sure. So mm. it's not mm. as if so. It's interesting that you picked. Well, no, like, because it was it was quite clearly stated that yeah. mm. you know that people were there were a lot of comments against Studio Sixty because they it wasn't funny like Thirty Rock. So. So that, you know, and that's fine. That's whatever. People are dumb. They don't watch good shows. <laughs> but hold a grudge against I'm the TV always, show forever. I've never seen a single episode of 30 Rock. <laughs> and also because, like, the comedy doesn't work for me. Oh. Like, I don't, I hate SNL. I don't think it's funny. Mm. I think it's super jockey, college thing. Well, 30 Rock's not that most of the time. Oh, come on. I mean, really? it's, it's surrealist, uh, absurd humor an awful lot of the time. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, the characters that they have are larger than life. Mm what Alec Baldwin was doing was just hilarious. I mean, it's, it gave us so many jokes as memes, like the fact that there's, you know, he spent the weekend at that island that only rich people know about. No. Little things yeah, like that. No. Six Sigma. And, like, I, I think my my WhatsApp status still says I want to go to there. Yes. So, like, I mean, I, I do love me some 30 Rock, but... I think the thing about it is that as somebody who, when I was watching 30 Rock, I don't think I was working here yet. But now that I am, it like Julian made this point once um, when I was talking to her about Morning Glory, which was, I think, an underrated rom-com. Rachel McAdams, Harrison Ford, Diane Keaton, um, and creepy Patrick Wilson being uncreepy. Yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> and, and like um, Julian came in and... Firstly, vindicate it because you said it was not bad. Yeah, I didn't. You watch the Netflix like pop up for it, and it's not what you expect because it looks so cheesy and so and trashy. dumb. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out not bad. Yeah. But then Julian also said, "Why do you like this? This is your job." <laughs> and then I thought, "Oh, you know that that's a really good point." And but I think the thing about these shows is that what they do is, if it is your job, then it's like, oh, okay, at least. 
someone has it worse. <laughs> Either someone has it worse or, mm. okay, this is how they're resolving stuff. Or there's mm. a pleasure in watching people fix things. So in 30 Rock, no matter how whack things get and no matter how awful Liz Lemon's life gets, and it sometimes gets really awful, watching her actually fix things mm. is really satisfying. When she goes like, no, just dump the chicken. And I'm like, yeah, yes. exactly, <laughs> dump the chicken. And so there is a pleasure there. Yeah. For me, I, I like, for example, like the other one I'm going to bring up, also Aaron Sorkin, is the newsroom. Knew it! Right? Mm. And Knew it's it. this idea that it's the idealized version of what a newsroom should be compared to what a newsroom is. You know, it's, it isn't about ratings. It should be about the truth. It should be about, you know, looking after the small people. I think and you've that, got those the wrong way around. I think that's, <laughs> the, that's it should be, but unfortunately everyone no, thinks it should be about yeah, the ratings. But like, no, but you've we've seen, well, I know of newsrooms here who are not that great about stuff like that, right? Mm. F- come on, Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but it's this idealized version of the world that I want to live in. And that's why I love The West Wing. That's why I love Studio 60. That's why I love The Newsroom. Is because these, I want to live in that world instead of this one. Because You want to do a lot one, of walk and talks. I want to do a lot of walk and talks, yeah. And I want to live in the world where people just want to do the right thing. It's interesting with the new show thing and you mentioning Drop the Duck thing. I don't know if any of you ever heard of Drop the Dead Donkey. You are cordially invited to invade our country. Dress in formal, 2.30 for 3 a.m. Please bring a bottle and tank. <laughs> Can we be serious, please? We could be on the brink of a full-scale war, yeah? Marvellous, isn't it? Hmm? What? Well, well, this sort of crisis. This sort of crisis is the ultimate challenge for any decent newsreader. You, you furrow the eyebrows slightly. You drop the voice, an extra semitone, and you say, good evening, Tonight, the world stands on the brink of war. No, Why you've never heard this of this. <laughs> this is a British uh, show from the 90s that finished in 1998. So it was surprised. before things were really spreading all over the place. But it's set in a newsroom that's been taken over by, say, a Rupert Murdoch type. Okay. And they're trying to do news. But it was made every week that shot. Oh, okay. Written and shot that week and came out. And it's kind of, it's before The Office, so it has a laugh track. It's that kind of multi camera Mm -hmm. newsroom thing. thing, I was just looking. Reminding myself of it because I watched when I was watching it, it was too sophisticated for my age at the time. I wasn't getting half the jokes, but for some reason I liked it. And reading up on it now, realizing because they didn't know their lines, they were all sitting there looking at computers, supposed to be researching the news stories. That's why <laughs> they're, they're reading, reading their lines, lines right. off the the screen. The, <laughs> the only joke I can remember from it is one of the news reporters at a drug bust in some country where they were burning all the marijuana they'd found, and the entire crew just descends into giggles and loses their mind. I think it's a joke that's been used over and over again since then. But at the time, it was just kind of groundbreaking show on British television. I just wanted to extend a public offer to Bahir to do walk-in talks. Sure. You, you and I sit on opposite sides yeah, of the yeah, office. We should. We should so it's actually kind of, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. just to say. Anyway, yeah. moving on, Julian. Um, no, I was thinking, my favorite part about all of these shows, I didn't latch on to 30 Rock. I think I was too young. It was like adult humor. But I love Studio 60. I'm going to bring it back to Bahir's thing about Studio 60. But I love seeing, it was the first time I ever saw the back room, you know, the writer's room, mm. the gritty, dirty part of writing, the very shiny, something like SNL, which looks very pol- kind of polished, or something like Late Night, where you see the 
I mean, there's like, you know, James Corden and we see so many of these, but there are a lot of people who work on it mm. and seeing how, especially when the turnaround period is a day mm. and we have to get the show out by the end of the day, seeing that and it, it's not something that occurs to me. But then also looking at something like John Mulaney's stand-up mm. when he has stories about how he used to work on SNL and used to write jokes and how... I think Mick Jagger comes into his room one day and tells him he's not funny. <laughs> and like, it's something that you don't get to see. And that was my favorite part of, I guess, Studio 60. That's the only yeah. one I've got. Have you seen the Larry Sanders show? I don't know who that is. I, think, I don't I know anyone named well Larry. Before, this is yeah. one I think that, again, I'm so old. Yeah. This one didn't even get put out in Ireland when I was there. It was one of those shows that was like, hey, we bought the rights for this. We're going to put it on at midnight on a Friday when everyone watches television. And it was... Larry Sanders is Gary Shandling. Rip Torn is his producer. Mm. And Jeffrey Tambor, before he got problematic, was his kind of host, our co-host, the same way that you have Conan O'Brien and... Andy... Richter. Richter. And they had real people on playing themselves. And Mm. it was Uh like, Larry Sanders is the most vapid, vain TV host you could have on. And they had actors on playing themselves, many of whom are still famous these days because it was in the 90s. So Jennifer Aniston out there, David Duchovny, Warren Beatty, Beck, Tom Petty, Chris Farley, Sally Field, David Spade. They all played versions of themselves that were hyped and awful. Mm. And it is regularly, was regularly rated as one of the best TV shows of all time. But now it's all forgotten about. And I think you can only catch it on Hulu. But it is worth seeking out. The yeah. episodes I saw were all very it was funny. It was in the early days of HBO, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. It so. sounds a little extra z. Yes, I mean, extras mm, probably yeah. ripped it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little bit like that. Um, do you guys like seeing how the sausage gets made, basically, is the question here. Do you guys like movies or shows that are about making movies and shows. Um, WhatsApp us if you do and your favourites. 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at SkipIntroMY and write us at movies at bfm.my. 